Hello, and welcome to the Functionally Enlightened Podcast with Dr. Sharon Sarita. We interview well-respected medical and functional practitioners, as well as patients who have overcome disabling chronic conditions, such as dysautonomia, and reclaimed their health. These enlightened guests provide helpful tips on managing chronic pain and illnesses using a combination of traditional and whole body healing modalities. If you're interested in natural healing and quality of life improvement, you're in the right place. Thank you for listening to today's episode. Welcome to Functionally Enlightened Podcast. Today we have a special guest who's also a functional diagnostic nutrition practitioner, and her name is Carly Faye Lowenthal. She is a master level NLP certified life coach and a functional diagnostic nutrition practitioner, as I mentioned. She runs a brain-based trauma-informed business where she takes her clients on a transformational journey to reclaim the personal power hidden in their layers of symptoms to unlock a future of endless possibilities as they level up on the other side. Carly specializes in supporting women who struggle with disordered eating and uses a variety of support tools like functional lab testing, subconscious reprogramming, and personalized coaching. She is also certified as a master in NLP, quantum time techniques, and hypnosis, which is very new to me, so I'm excited about this conversation. (laughs) And she holds a master of science in education with 12 plus years of experience as an educator. So welcome, Carly. We appreciate you being on the show. Thank you. I'm excited to be here. So can you tell us a little bit about what brought you into the world of FDN and all of these other credentials that you currently hold? Yes. (laughs) Um, I'd say what brought me in is basically uh, when I was in my early 20s, I was diagnosed with uh, ADHD, CPTSD, anxiety, depression. I had an episode with anorexia that was sort of happening under the table. So I was hiding that part. So there was never a formal diagnosis. And um, I got put on medications and that was like the end of it. And then I'm like living my life for 10, 15 years on these medications, going through the motions. And one day I kind of just realized like, there's like, there's, there's gotta be like a better way to this. Like I was just living life day to day, kind of dull, kind of bland, realized I wasn't really very ambitious anymore. Um, I used to be like really creative had lots of inspiration. I mean, I was diagnosed with ADHD, so I clearly had a lot of energy. <laughs> and um, then I just like, I fell flat and I just stayed in this place of flatness for a while and realized I just don't feel like myself anymore. I became friends with uh, another FDN through Beachbody. <laughs> she, was, she was coaching Beachbody. I had signed up to do Beachbody, our paths crossed. And that was a, my first taste of how much lifestyle changes can really influence your mood. Uh, and that was probably about five or six years ago. So I was starting to work out. I was cleaning up my diet. I was feeling a lot better. And I'd say that mu- that at some point, realizing that the lifestyle stuff was improving and whenever I'd stop the exercise and go back to the normal, quote unquote, normal way that I was eating before, my mood would drop. And it had not, it didn't seem to be influenced by the medications much of, at all at that point. Like I had like numbed out to the medications. They weren't supporting me. They weren't bringing me further down. They just weren't really doing much of anything. So she at some point was joining up with another FDMP and running a group program. So this was about two years ago. And there was just something in their marketing that really caught my eye because I had never linked before necessarily, like really specifically 
that my brain and what was going on with my mood and the depression could be affected by by the like the physical body and the and diet exercise even though i knew i was feeling better there was just this subconscious block between realizing how directly impacted the medical body type stuff was influencing the mental body stuff so uh something in their marketing along the lines of like lack of motivation i was like oh like my gut health could be linked to my lack of motivation and it just gave me this glimmer of hope that there was something else out there that I hadn't tried yet that I could try. So I signed up for that group program. And sure enough, we ran a GI map, we ran a hormone panel, we ran a neurotransmitter panel, and they were supporting the group with education, basically a cliff notes to functional diagnostic nutrition. And very quickly, I started to see a way out of this like darkness that I had been in. I was getting my motivation back. I was very, very inspired and motivated to learn more about functional health. And I was reading the books and I was doing the program like the hundredth degree. It was the first time I felt that passionate about something in a really long time. Along the way, as it was all working really well, and what I'm really starting to understand now, as the neuroinflammation in my brain was being calmed down, I started unlocking like some traumatic memories and uh, I also ended up getting diagnosed with Hashimoto's along the way as we were looking for more root causes. And it all just came to a head where it was like I needed to add something more to the physical body support. And it just so happened that at, literally to the day that I got the Hashimoto's diagnosis, both of the FDMPs who were running this group program were at a training for the subconscious reprogramming work. And so they came back from that and I signed up with one-on-one -on -one work. And we got to work on subconscious reprogramming and uh, mindset work added on. And that was all like so successful that I came out of those sessions. Like, I want to do this work. I want to be able to help people and transform their lives the same way that this is transforming my life. And so within a month of them coming back from the subconscious reprogramming training that they went to and the, neuro the neurolinguistics, and that's where the hypnosis certification came from, uh, I had signed up for my FDMP and for those certifications. <laughs> Sounds like you are very busy with that. And there's a lot to unpack there. So we're going to rewind. Yeah, um, there's a lot in. It's funny that you brought up Beachbody because I too was a Beachbody coach. And oh, yeah. <laughs> many years. That's pretty interesting. That's something else we have in common. Now, in terms of some of the diagnoses that you received, um, these formal diagnoses you received on the way, you're already on your wellness journey from there. You're mm -hmm. already practicing with functional diagnostic nutrition and you mentioned a few of those labs. I think you mentioned the GI map and the neurotransmitter. So for some of our listeners who aren't aware of what those are, can you dive into each of those a little bit? Yes, the GI map is a stool test that tests your gut microbiome. So it's looking for imbalances in gut bacteria. Um, you're supposed to have a certain amount of bacteria in your gut. We're actually like more gut, gut bug DNA than we are human DNA. So you're supposed to have a healthy amount of bacteria in your gut microbiome. It, they, they serve a purpose in there. And sometimes you can get overgrowth of those guys. Sometimes you can get depleted depletions from the bacteria. And then also what can happen is bacteria that don't belong there can make their way in. And on the GI map, it also tests for parasites. Um, one of the markers that was off on mine was the, um, I've done it a few times, so, but it also tests one, one way it can test for gluten sensitivity is with this anti-gliadin marker. So it's not the only gluten marker, but it's one of them. 
you can look for, there's markers for inflammation in the GI tract. Uh, that's probably of, of all the tests. That's one of my favorite ones that I run on my clients. It just gives you so much information and, um, really like when, depending on the patterns of the imbalances that you can see on there, it also points to how much like neuroinflammation might be going on as well. So it's, it's like a very comprehensive, even though it's very specific at the same time. With that GI map also, I know it can give you some insight as to your ability to absorb nutrients because you're looking at markers like steatocrit. Um, and then there's other labs that we use as FDNs that kind of correlate with that. And let us know, ultimately, if you're if you're having issues digesting fat and you're having digestions with protein, then you're likely having issues with all three of your macronutrients. And so gathering from that, you're not probably getting the micronutrients. And you mentioned a couple other labs. Uh, I don't remember what they were exactly. I know one of them had something to do with neurotransmitters. Is it beyond the GI map? I'll use the neurotransmitter panel to support to support the um, neurotransmitters. If the neurotransmitters are really off, um, it really gives us an insight also to protein absorption because neurotransmitters are making, made from amino acids and amino acids come from proteins. So the neuropanel and the GI map work very nicely together. Also on the neuropanel is a histamine marker. So it's not the same histamine that is, histamine's not directly measured on the GI map, but the FDN has access to other labs that you can get a gut histamine from, but there's different types of histamine, but if his, so if histamine is off in the neurotransmitters, it also gives us a good idea of what's going on in the gut. So the two work really nicely with each other. And then also on the neuropanel has the catecholamines, which is norepinephrine and epinephrine, which are made in the adrenal glands. And um, if those are off, especially if there's a really big imbalance of them, you can get a pretty good insight into, I, I know this is like a trendy phrase to say, but it's a well-known phrase. So I think a lot, a lot of the listeners might be aware of what it represents, which is adrenal fatigue, which is basically burnout. So you're getting to get a pretty direct measure of the state of the person's whole body, even if you're just running those two labs, which I know is FDN, we like to we tend to like to do all of them, but I also work with a lot of clients who either have um, disordered eating or orthorexia, which is uh, unhealthy obsession with being healthy. And a lot of times the bare minimum of labs is what is appropriate for that client at that time. So if I'm only going to run the bare minimum, I'll do the GI map and the neuro panel. Very cool. A lot of people weren't probably aware of that term orthorexia. So it's good to be able to put a definition behind that. And and I feel like probably I was guilty of, of not guilty, but I probably have a little bit of that because I've been on a medical diet for over a year and that's just trying to get into my own wellness space. And I've actually found a lot of success through FDN practice with being on this sort of um, very strict, not sort of, it's very strict medical diet. But with FDN, I realized that it's appropriate for my body because mm -hmm. also with metabolic typing. Can you tell us a little bit about how you use metabolic typing with your clients? So where it becomes a little different with where my approach with FDN is probably different than like the extreme norm is because I'm working with so many clients who have a history of disordered eating. I don't necessarily run the labs right up front that have to do with specific markers for food. And so I built the metabolic typing, while it will give a lot of great information for the clients that I have that are already looking for reasons to restrict their diet in certain ways and very specifically and very controlled. Uh, I actually chose myself not to run that on myself. I didn't, I opted out of the of the metabolic typing and I opted out of the food sensitivities. Actually, I, 
funny because I was answering the questions for the metabolic typing and that was what allowed me to get into the framework and the mindset of realizing that if I'm going to niche to clients that are in that have an eating disorder that it's it's actually really confusing because we're kind of convincing ourselves of certain rules and restrictions around food and there's almost like this identity mismatch happening which is explained by the by the mindset work and the subconscious reprogramming work that I did which is like a, a parts work. So like there's a part of our brain that is aware and holding the higher perspective that not every food that we think is causing an issue is probably causing an issue. And then there's the other part of the brain that's like wanting to find foods that we can't eat because we're equating food with so many things in an abstract way. And so just taking the questionnaire was starting to really trigger me. And that was actually a really good piece of the puzzle for me. And, and it was an indicator to me that I was really in an unhealthy place with the way I was viewing food at, food at the time. I guess you serve a lot of clients that, with these eating disorders. Mm-hmm. So I'm imagining they probably come to you with you know, histamine sensitivities, oxalate issues, maybe salicylate issues. It could potentially be something where our mind is tricking our bodies into thinking we're going to react. And you... Yes. Can you tell me how you would approach someone like me? Say I have, I, I have extreme phobias of eating all this new food and I'm maybe restricted to 30 ingredients or something mm-hmm. like that. How would you begin to work with a client like me? Um, the first thing that I would likely, if you wanted to do lab work, um, I would likely run the neuro panel and the GI map. A lot of it is the clients that, that would come in that have orthorexia or have an eating disorder a lot of the times they've already done a lot of the lab work. And so it's actually a gentle removal of backing out of the protocols and easing them out of them and titrating down from what they're already doing to get back to a baseline. And it's the point that you're making about having um, the food sensitivities is they're now caught in a cycle of stress, which we all know, well, we don't, stress contributes to so much of the food sensitivities stress can be caused from environmental things, from the bacteria, disruptions in the body, and it can be caused by the mindset and the mental, emotional body. So more than likely, all the things that we think are happening, like for me, I did have a histamine intolerance. I was, I had SIBO, so I was sensitive to most of the food groups that you were just saying. And because I was holding that to such a high regard, it was creating the cycle of, I was never actually healing from from the SIBO because I was so stressed out by healing from the SIBO that I was never even giving my body a chance to be able to be in the state that it would need to be in to be able to relax enough to heal it. So trying to get into parasympathetic mode is like number one. Yes, thank you. Yes, finding, cultivating safety within the body would be the first thing. If you're not viewing the world as safe um, and you're not viewing your internal environment as safe, you're not going to be able to heal. Okay. So you do a lot of work directing, I would imagine these are one-on-one consultations. You're, you're really diving in deep with, with that component of their lifestyle change. That is a drastic change that people have to make, by the way. Yeah. So the two of the first things that I do is, is introduce parasympathetic tools. And then the other thing that I do is uh, help them understand how to process emotions and do emotional processing work. Very interesting. I'd like to see a little bit more about that. Maybe I can come in and, and learn those types of practices or you can provide some resources to myself and to the audience um, that reach out to you and get some more information. Now, in terms of the other types of clients that you do see, we know um, 
anorexia, and you you said you were diagnosed yourself with Hashimoto's. Do you work with clients that have autoimmune conditions? I work for another FDN. I'm an associate coach with another FDN, and her practice is centered around thyroid health and and autoimmune conditions, mainly Hashimoto's. So under that umbrella, yeah, we do a lot of work with clients with uh, thyroid conditions. And our foundational labs or her foundational labs is the heavy metal HTMA. And um, then she'll do a GI map. And it's also one of those where we'll add on as we go. But we've been doing it a little bit more on the slow rollout because, again, what we've been finding the pattern of being is that so many of the clients are coming in needing the parasympathetic tools and needing to calm down the body before they're able to do the other stuff which is part of the FDN protocol really, because so much is done with diet, rest, exercise, which I like to think more of as movement and stress reduction. Absolutely. With exercise, I I actually work with clients that are pretty limited in mobility. They've probably, you know, I want to say like 70% of clients I see have had traumatic surgeries and they were trying to recover, but they were in that traditional medical world where, you know, taking a lot of pharmaceuticals, not really working on those pillars that we look at the diet, rest, exercise, and stress reduction for sure. Mm -hmm. So they're in that mode um, where kind of a reliance on traditional medical practice. And that takes the ownership and it takes the power away from us. So I, I see that that's the shift that needs to happen. And in my own chronic illness journey, uh, I utilize things, limbic system rework, um, mm neuroplasticity training. I did do the Gupta program. That was probably the first one. It was the easiest one for me to kind of like settle into and really learn about the systems. And then I went on, um, there's another one, DNRS that I, I like. And a lot of clients like the primal trust is another one. Yeah. And, um, there's a, there's another one that I, Oh, I can't believe I forgot this one, but I use brain tap and I use it every day. I don't know if you've, you've used yes. it. It's very helpful because there's a lot of people that struggle with doing the visualization exercises themselves without having some type of guided meditation. So what are your recommendations for people can, who can do this stuff at home, you know, after the initial guidance that you can provide? I love all the programs that you just mentioned. I just finished a somatic, so tra- like a trauma-informed somatic course through the Embody Lab, and that was really fascinating. And uh, they also spoke to accessibility with movement and it was really interesting because they were saying that movement is really the universe of universal language that's learned in in the womb and that um it like it kind of seems like well what if i have clients that you know i my first thought went to clients who are paralyzed and the types of movements that they don't have access to but it was talking about how visualizing the movements and micro movements and Um, even just breathing is a movement that our body is doing. And so breath work is accessible to a lot of people, but there's different types of breath work. So there's stencil and deactivating breath work and there's activating breath work. Um, For people who are at home, a lot of it, especially if you're new to it, is really just starting to understand and recognize what's happening in your body. So it's bringing in the awareness of even just, I'm sitting in my chair right now and I can feel the ground under my feet and, um, just kind of bringing in the awareness to even like holding ice cubes and allowing yourself to describe what the sensations are to yourself and grounding yourself in your body. I mean, on a very simplistic level too, is clients who are sedentary most of the time, just adding in a 10 minute walk every day can shift things pretty far and 
yeah, paying attention to your breath and getting to know the responses that are within your body. Those 10 minutes, kind of the minimum threshold that you would start to see some type of benefits from it? Uh, it depends on the person. I, I, I'm a big fan of micro movements. So if 10 minutes sounds way too much to somebody, I'd say, okay, go for two. <laughs> so it's really up to the person. It's, you get to go at your own pace and building the trust within your own body and within your own experience is a really big part of the process. Clients that have to start way in the beginning, and I was one of them. I, I started with a recumbent bike and probably not even making two minutes. And over time, I've improved. I can do maybe 20 minutes, 30 minutes, um, increasing resistance little by little. But for some people, that could be a very long process. And so my my point in this is that don't get disheartened. If you know you you have people who are in your circle, maybe in your chronic illness community that have accelerated their healing, they've gotten to be able maybe to run miles, some people um, lifting weights again, things like that. And we always encourage trying to lift something, <laughs> mm -hmm. but there it's a process. And I know that with my own experience and with the experience of my clients, it's, it's kind of a roller coaster. So how can you work with your clients um, to make them understand that there are going to be dips, but there there's still progress to be had? A lot of that is for me is where the mindset work and the subconscious reprogramming work comes in. So I work with them to help them notice the patterns in their thought and then rewire it through quantum time techniques, which is similar to hypnosis, but it's a, it's more of a guided hypnosis where I'm accessing and allowing them to access their subconscious mind. And a lot of quantum time techniques incorporates a trance-like state and a guided journey into past experiences to get learnings and rewire the, the, physiological response to those events to help the client to be more at cause, which means, so it's like you're, if let's, I'm just going to go to an extreme, you're abused as a child and you're a victim, right? So you are a victim. There's your, however, you can be in the mindset of, well, I'm a victim and I'm always going to be a victim, or you can be in the mindset of I was a victim and something really terrible happened to me, but I can change and transform and still be in control of my own life and my own destiny. And so a lot of the work that I do with my clients is on that because it's really easy. It's, it is really easy and to fall into the pitfalls and the traps of, of our circum everyday circumstances. And so there's a, and there's also a really big balance of allowing ourselves to validate our own experiences. A lot of us have been gaslit, especially by medical professionals. And that translates to gaslighting ourselves and our own experiences. I've seen kind of two forms of that. I fell into I fell into the gaslighting myself side of things, but I've also seen clients who are so strongly advocating for themselves that they're almost like over advocating and they're they're overriding and not even able to see where the advice that they're getting is actually benefiting them because they're just so used to having to advocate for themselves. And it's kind of like helping them to form their relationships where they can now be in partnership with either the practitioner or the medical professionals or their friends or their spouses and realize like it's not, I guess in either circumstance, it's not an us versus them situation where we're on the same team and we're on the same side. And it's coming back to this neutrality and being at cause for creating the changes that you're coming to the practitioner to want to accomplish. Okay. And this is something that they can do virtually. It doesn't have to be in person, correct? Yes. That's a resource for um, our listeners. 
And at the end of the show, we'll we'll make sure to get your contact information in there so people can reach out to you. But I wanted to know a little bit about, you know, the things that some of your clients find easy to do versus <laughs> the things that they're not staying compliant or it's difficult to stay on track with. Oh, geez. <laughs> it's so hard because it's like so different for each client. But let me, I'm trying to think of some patterns of behavior. I mean, I tend to get a lot of perfectionists. They say that we get a lot of who we are. Um, so some of the things that were really easy for me at the beginning, and I, I don't know if this has to, I, I suspect this is slightly related to the mechanism of action that developed into the eating disorder because I was over compliant with the physical health stuff. And it was really easy for me to implement the protocols. And I wanted more protocols and more supplements and more, what can I do? And it was, I just wanted to do it all. And so that was easy for me. And that's sometimes the parts that are easy for some of my clients. Um, it's almost like we're overriding the, we're overriding the chronic illness that's underneath it because we're almost running away from it. And we just don't want to be the person who's tired and the person who, so it's once we stop and slow down, the hard part for me was doing the mindset stuff. I, I kept saying like, oh, I'll get to the mindset stuff once I heal my physical body. Like I'll get to the emotional stuff once I heal my physical body. And it was actually getting the Hashimoto's diagnosis that um, really triggered me into a state of, I had the CPTSD diagnosis from my early 20s that I kind of forgot about. And getting the Hashimoto's diagnosis triggered it. So now I was starting to have the PTSD symptoms that I hadn't had in decades. And it was like waking up some of the, the things inside that I was overriding and kind of shoving down and ignoring. And so for me, the hard part was the mindset stuff at first because I didn't want to go there. I didn't want to go back to the things that I, there was so much shame. And so that was a little bit challenging for me. Um, so it's kind of funny because the hard part for a lot of the clients that I deal with is, is the easing out of the protocols because that's become their coping mechanism. Mm. Uh, I'd say as a generalization for the clients that I work with more with Hashimoto's, um, if, you know, there is, a lot of chronic fatigue that's associated with it and joint pain and um, identity confusion because they have been the person. I, I was in a weird situation where I was diagnosed while I was healing. But a lot of the clients are coming in and they've had 10 years of being diagnosed as the person with Hashimoto's. And so they're really grasping at straws by the time that they come in. And so some of the stuff that's a little bit more challenging for them, they're, they're experiencing a lot of fatigue and a lot of brain fog. And it is the keeping track of the supplements and, and just getting that first step started and wanting to, like, they, they want to do the things, but there's just such a block on doing it. And that's where the subconscious reprogramming is so helpful because it kind of helps. With, it's, you don't have to willpower your way into doing anything. It's the subconscious reprogramming and the rewiring that helps to create the identity of the person who's able to get the things done. Fascinating. And I'm wondering about um, there's probably clients that are more resistant towards this and they're coming to you because they've exhausted all the other avenues. They've probably seen multiple specialists, you know, in, in my case, I probably saw over 20. Mm -hmm. and so when they, when they come and they don't understand that this is the pivotal piece, so I can imagine there's a lot of resistance. How can you, how can you coax them into understanding that that is a fundamental piece for their healing? Yes, I I think the part that is a little tricky is the when you hear subconscious reprogramming and mindset and like trauma work and mental and emotional support, um, at least what was hard for me 
and so I can only imagine that this is where a lot of other people are going to relate is the like the gaslighting of like it's all in your head thinking like it's all in your head it's all in your head and so when I hear neurotransmitters out of balance and needing to do mindset work it's like the Hashimoto's diagnosis was like kind of validating and the fact that the physical body work was helping so much because ha 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 it's not all in my head like it's also in my body and so it's really the understanding that mental body physical body emotional body energetic body spiritual body they're all part of the same mechanism of action so anything that is in your physical body is impacting your mental body and anything that is going on off balance in your mental body is affecting your physical body mm-hmm. and so it's like this seesaw if you are only or a car let's say a car right the car needs gas and the car needs oil if you're only filling the car up with gas and you never change the oil you're not going to have a functioning car and if you keep changing the oil and you never fill it up with gas, you're also going to end up with a non-functioning car. You got to keep, you got to work on both. Yeah. That's definitely not my area of expertise and how to explain that piece, but I do know it is, it's a critical piece. And what is something that you feel that most of your clients can excel in? They're super proactive. I mean, they, they find me, I I'm not the type of coach who is cold messaging that I just doesn't it's not my style of doing things I know it works for a lot of people some of my friends in that category it doesn't work for me and so one of the things that I've noticed is because the clients are finding me they've are I already know they're proactive and so they want to make the changes and they want to so they are really really good at showing up for themselves and even on their worst days they will continue to show up for themselves because that's just who they are as people and it is that grit that keeps the whole mechanism of action going. That is a a key word to having the grit or the determination Mm -hmm. to get to that next level of healing. Now, I don't think we talked about the the things that stood out for you during your academic training. Like you've already experienced being on one side of the spectrum with the chronic illnesses yourself, but what are some of those things that you were learning that you made sure that you're incorporating into your practice now? Hmm. I find kind of funny because there's like such nitty gritty functional health information that is so fascinating. And the things that I really hung on to was when I was a client, it was this sense of community that I was getting. And then even when I was in the practitioner training for the functional diagnostic nutrition, they had a Facebook support group for all the trainees. And they have one also for advanced FDN for the graduates. They have live calls and they're, they're so easy to communicate with and have access to. And so there's just, it just really brought home to me the sense of community being such an important factor to healing and to transformation work that it's, we're not meant to do it alone. We're meant to do it in tribes, we're meant to do it in groups, whether it's a one-on-one, we, I'm a community for my one-on-one clients as well. And so while that wasn't like something that was, actually specifically being taught it was embedded within the way that the program was rolled out and so that really stuck with me a lot Uh, the other thing that really stuck with me on the more technical information side it was really this bi-directional communication between the gut and the mind and so it is it's this it's like this top down where the gut where the brain does right the brain is like the master controller and it's telling the body what to do but the gut is like its own beast it, it can like basically function without your brain. It, knows, it has its own neuropathy almost within it. And it's even called the second brain. 
And so I just found it really fascinating to realize how they communicate with each other, but then also how interconnected every single organ in our body is with each other. And so when you go into the, the medical model, and I do believe there is a necessity of a partnership between Eastern, like Eastern medicine and Western medicine, but the medical model is very specific with very specific organs and kind of like, how can we get this organ to function the way that the organ specifically is meant to function? Whereas within functional health, it sees how everything connects with each other. And it's kind of like the, well, why is this organ not functioning the way that it's supposed to be functioning? And what else is going in the body? And where's the breakdown in the system? And making sure that we don't want to just make sure the thyroid is behaving the way the thyroid's supposed to be behaving. We want to make sure that the whole system is behaving the way that it's supposed to be behaving. Instead of just throwing resources at the thyroid, let's get the entire system online and making sure that things are moving and producing the way that they're supposed to be producing. Mm -hmm. That brings me to the point, and, and you brought it up with the difference between Western and Eastern and the holistic outlook. So in traditional medicine, we see that, you know, you have a certain range of labs, you're looking at general, you know, CBCs, your regular blood panels, and those ranges aren't necessarily what we're striving to be. They're not functional ranges. They're more of disease state ranges. So a lot of clients probably aren't aware that there's a discrepancy there. How do you educate your clients on that? Well, I love that you brought this up because I just use my own personal experience. Um, there's a few different ways I'll do this, but I love that because my Hashimoto's would not have been caught based on the typical medical model. All of my numbers were in range. Um, however, I was trained to get the entire complete thyroid panel and I had forgotten to ask for the antibodies. And my type A part of my personality could not get over the fact that I, I missed the whole panel. Like I did it wrong. I didn't do it right. I knew better. And in addition to that, because of the functional ranges were off, they were off in a way that you could tell. I forget exactly at this anymore. It was about two years ago, but I was trained to recognize that one of the markers was basically like pumping, was like under pumping the gas and the other one was slamming on the brakes. And it was kind of one of those like, well, if there's no gas, like there's no reason to be stopping. Why is it stopping so hard? So they were telling two different stories. And so that like raised a red flag in my mind. So then it was like, okay, well, my perfectionist side wants to get this whole panel done because she just likes to get everything done the way she likes to get it done. And there's a mismatch in what's happening with these numbers. And I was able to bring that information back to the lab and get them to cover the antibody testing under insurance without it. Like we were able to justify why we're asking now for the antibodies. And sure enough, the antibodies showed I have Hashimoto's. Like it wasn't even just one of the antibodies. You run, they were three and they all were out of range and out of range enough on the medical model to be diagnosed with Hashimoto's. Um, so what I explained to my clients is that the medical ranges is like you're taking anyone who goes and run lab, uh, runs labs, but like the majority of people who run medical model blood work is top athletes, right? They're needing to continue to keep an eye on their numbers and sick people who are sick. <laughs> So it's, it's like the average range is, is a sick person and somebody who might as well be sick because they're breaking down their body by trying to be so, so healthy to run triathlons. I don't, I don't want to measure myself against those people. <laughs> and so the functional range is, says, these are the, this is where people feel their best. This is where we see people feeling good. 
And anything outside of this is where we start to notice symptoms and we start to see people who are falling off. Whereas basically in the medical model, they're waiting for you to, to be in a state of disease before they'll do anything to help you. True. It's a waiting game pretty much. If your labs come back, maybe there's one or two markers off and again, a general blood panel, then they say, oh, we'll take a look at this, come back in three months or even six months. Mm -hmm. Some of them are like annual things. So you don't know what's happening between one day and 365 days later. The whole focus on symptoms, it doesn't seem to be, it doesn't seem to play an important role when you go to a primary care manager, for instance. They yeah. Have maybe 10 or 15 minutes that they have allocated for each patient. So it's not something, unless you're very succinct and can get it all in, in like writing, it's not going to really play into your treatment plan. Well, I didn't even know my symptoms or symptoms until I started doing this work. So like the only reason I knew to even, I, I had avoided doctors for, for years and years because I had traumas wrapped up in, in going to see, like, I just didn't see them. I didn't know why I didn't see them until I started doing the work. And then it's like all the pieces started to fall into place, but I didn't know that my symptoms are symptoms. Like it was like depression is a symptom of neuroinflammation. Why is there neuroinflammation? And my mind is like, you're, I'm depressed. That's, that's the reason I'm not feeling well. Okay. But like, why are you depressed? Like what's causing the depression? I didn't know to follow those trails. I didn't, I didn't even notice. I, I really didn't notice that I was having food sensitivities until I started paying attention to it. It's like, I just became so used to it that that my baseline of, of like life was almost like suffering, but that to me felt so neutral because it was just normal. Right. Yeah. We do develop a sense of the new norm, which isn't really having functional health. And, you know, there are certain, certain illnesses that have been so long-term that there is, there's not really the knowledge of what can be better, but mm -hmm. with, functional diagnostic nutrition in your line of work and the combination of work that you do, there's always room for improvement. Is there anything that you would like to relate to our audience that you would like them to know either about your personal journey or their own personal journeys if they're dealing with chronic illness? There's always a different tool and another resource to try. Like you'll, you will never exhaust all of your options. And believing that you can heal is one of the most important steps. So if your mind is really strong. So if you are in a place where you don't believe that there's any hope left or like there's nothing else to try, look for the people, you had mentioned this early on, the people who are really strong, who have the chronic illnesses. And it's it's like, it's really easy when we are the ones who are tired and we are the ones in joint pain and we see the other people, it's really easy to take the path of resentment and bitterness. And if you can just get into the shifting of the mindset that if they can have it, I can have it too. That is like such a powerful uh, reframe for your brain because they were once in the same place that you were in. Yes, absolutely. I love that. And I hope that the audience really takes that and brings it into their hearts. So if anyone wants to reach out to you directly or through either of your businesses, how can they reach you if they'd like to schedule or if they just like to learn more about your practice? Yes. Uh, my one-on-one, -on -one, my personal business is at Carly in focus. And um, I'm on Instagram at the time I'm working on a website. It's not out there yet. So the best way is to direct message me on Instagram at Carly in focus. And if you're interested in stuff with the thyroid health and the other business that I was talking about, I could we could go back and forth on the direct messages in there and I could direct you. 
Awesome. Thanks. I'll make sure to have your handle in our show notes and we appreciate your time and all of your insight. It was such a fascinating topic. So thank you again. Thanks for having me. All right. Thank you listeners. We'll see you next time. Take care. Bye. Don't forget to subscribe to our podcast and also to our Instagram. Our handle is functionally enlightened. Dr. Sharon Sarita is not a medical professional and is not providing healthcare, medical, or nutritional therapy services or attempting to diagnose, treat, prevent, or cure any physical, mental, or emotional issue. The information provided in this podcast is for the informational purposes only and is not intended to substitute professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek advice from your physician or other qualified healthcare provider before undertaking a new health regimen. Do not disregard medical advice or delay seeking medical advice because of information you heard in this podcast. Do not start or stop any medications without speaking to your medical or mental health provider.